Shafee. Shafee, are you there? The snow and snow this evening would have the great moon of December. January is hidden by clouds tonight. Though night has fallen on the hill country, the lights of the city are being reflected off a low cloud cover. It's gone one of those strange Texas nights where it went from being kind of warm and kind of humid to kind of cold and kind of humid in a matter of about 30 minutes. Just in between the time that we were setting up this podcast and we hit record, it all happened. And now it is a cold, chilly, but exciting, don't get me wrong, exciting night for One Magical Hour, a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. I say exciting because we have a very special guest tonight, Alex Battles. We're so happy to have him. We know that you guys are too. And uh, we'll have some classic segments, the ones you, you know and love. And uh, maybe the return of some 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 oldies but goodies. And, uh, and we're going to do it all with... Uh, with the uh, pride of Tarzana, California, the man with mand- mandibles like the president, the Montserrat mistaker. He's a rampy, not a Roy. He's Matthew. Hello, Matthew. You're wondering who I am. Secret, secret. I've got a secret. Machine <laughs> podcast man. Secret, secret. I've got a secret. With parts made in Austin. Secret, secret. I've got a secret. I am the podcast man. Thank you very much, oh Mr. Podcast, oh, for saying the things that nobody wants to. Thank you very much, oh Mr. Podcast, oh, for helping me escape when I listen to you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's pretty. <laughs> so, sticks. Two, two. Two times in a row. Welcome, welcome to the Sticks Parody Hour. I got prog rock brain fog. I can't help it. I can't help myself. Hey, you think prog rock brain fog is just something that afflicts men of our age, a certain age? I think it's actually just <laughs> listeners uh, and creators of One Magical Hour. Um, wow, episode one twenty-five, auspiciously recorded on one twenty-five twenty-two. Um. And unfortunately, it's a redo. We, I, it happens every I, I just want to say right away, we recorded last week, a week hence, a week thence, and um, we had Alex as a guest, and for some reason, Alex's track did not fully record, and so we, <laughs> we have a half... Well, he, there, were, there was four minutes. There was the first four minutes of his appearance there. I guess we could stitch those together and play those for you. We could play the show up until that point. Maybe it could be alt 125. It's it's like a 20 minute thing until Alex's uh track cuts off, but this is precedented in the history of the show. One other time early on, we did a recording and it did not chooch in a technology fashion. It, it, it did not it, lay. Oh, it, it chewed already. It's not in a good way. It did not lay down to the <laughs> hard drive, and uh, 
At that time, it really hurt, I got to say. Oh, man. <laughs> right? We were brutalized. Yeah, yeah, I was really bummed. And it was like maybe episode 18 or something. <laughs> and we and we ended up re-recording that like the next day. That was early on when we just had time during the day. And if I remember correctly, that second version was much better. Than I'm sure that the second version was much better, much like this version is going to be. No second episode 125, part due, with special guest, producer, Emeritus. Em oh, you're right. <laughs> Producer of is Alex Battles, all the Alex way from Backless. New York City. Hey, Alex, how you doing? Hey, it's great to be here on the podcast. I'd like to thank everyone who listens to the show for um, being so enthusiastic about the show and keeping Matthew and Schaefer in business um, because it's 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 good it's good it's a it's a good thing that they bring you these three C's of community comedy and comfort so consistently alex calm down <laughs> i'm trying it's hard Jeez. to calm Jeez. down you're here you're on that we're recording i thought you were going to start listing everybody that you can think of no <laughs> uh thank I, you for bringing up the three c's we don't we don't we haven't mentioned the three c's in quite a while well i feel like we dropped comedy <laughs> yeah. Well, we still got, yeah. we've got the community. We're just doing the best we can with the community. <laughs> All right. Well, today we've got Alex. We have uh, you know, former comedian, current singer-songwriter Alex Battles. Right. So, like, this is a perfect night to re-inject re some comedy into this podcast. Uh, God, let's hope so. I mean, no, <laughs> that's not what I meant at all. I did not mean that. I, I want to thank Alex for joining us again. It was you my know, pleasure. Two, two Tuesdays I didn't think row. the last time went that well. And so if anybody's disappointed with this one, just know that you're getting the better of two terrible things. <laughs> this is actually a ruse. There was nothing wrong with your track. I just made that up so that we could just do this again. Thank God. I, I'm dying for Every other episode I've done, I wanted to do over of. Finally, I got one. That's great. If only in life, it could you hundred percent, a hundred percent. I was thinking, yeah, I was just thinking about that as we were. I was waiting for you guys to come online. Mm -hmm. Totally so true. You, um, at, before we we hadn't talked to Alex in a while, but he prepared a, sh a show sheet of his own that he sent <laughs> to us, and the first item on the show sheet was you requesting that the robot be in the parody, right? Well, yeah. It's funny that the parody tonight was Mr. Roboto. Yeah, so that's close. Well, Schaefer being in the parody is that's that's the that's the same thing. That was actually the best I could do. No, that's perfect. I'm, that's I'm that's Mr. Roboto parody. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. Schaefer being involved. I, I'm always just looking for yeah, I'm. I, I that that was exactly what I wanted. So Schaefer being involved is great. So I'll take that. Okay. I'll give him more bit parts. I've there. never owned or seen a robot. I don't know how they work. So I just trust you on all robot operations. I had I, I had the same conversation with Matthew at one point off air, and because it was the same for me because I didn't really understand how the this ro the robot just makes beats, and it's not necessarily easy to customize those beats i mean i could i could make a beat for a song 
but again, it, well, not again. Like I said in the episode that disappeared, uh, it would take this level of forethought that I'm just not at. <laughs> look at his, look at the faces he's making in the video. He gets it. Alex is bringing back the the third C. He's stretching it out. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm working it hard for the people who cannot see me. So. <laughs> Alex, I really appreciate you preparing the your, your own show sheet, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on a lot of that this evening and and hopefully some other stuff too yeah yeah we'll see yeah we've got other stuff speaking of comedy specifically sure do you have any idea what the yowls was from last time no idea uh, okay okay i should have listened to our <laughs> side of it <clears throat> go on i was well, I, was, I was thinking you guys would do on because uh, i said my my microphone was on the fritz and so I was thinking that maybe you guys could could do a yield word shop for on the Fritz, you know? Oh yeah, at, sure. It's we doing some, on the fly on the, uh, on the fly word shop. Yeah, why don't I why don't I just pretend to be talking about something interesting while you guys Google something because that's the nature of this show. I'm, I'm gonna pretend to be listening. Go. We okay. So while while you guys are googling something. Can we just get back to the fact that Manish can play table tennis with a CD case? Because I feel like that was, to me, the biggest takeaway of the previous episode that, that no one has heard. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, knew, I just knew it. I just put table tennis on the show sheet for no reason whatsoever. None. Because I was like, one of you guys has played it or knows something about it. Because I've, I've never played it in my life. And then, boom. It, it, certainly. Super fan Manish is a master. I love this. I love this. One more reason that he should be on, uh, there, there's got to be a t-shirt that's got to involve him somehow. I don't know. We got to add that to the Zazzle You store. buy that t-shirt? A Manish-themed graphic team? Something. I mean, whatever he's up for. I don't want to pressure him. You know, I know he's a private guy. You know, he's probably already annoyed that we're talking about him so much, but he's just such an interesting oh, guy. I don't think he minds being spoken highly of like oh, that's in good. this instance where we're talking about his mastery of the table tennis. <laughs> and yeah. I think I have seen him take down like really good players just using a CD case as his paddle. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Have you seen, there's this film on Netflix called 14 peaks. Have no. you seen this? No, no. What? Tell me about it. Well, it's this Nepali guy. Nims. Mm -hmm. Nims Perja is his name, um, and he sets out to climb the 14 highest peaks within a year. And this is this feat has never been done. It's been done like once by a guy, and it took him six years to get it all together. Mm -hmm. but, but this this guy Nims, he he was in the military, and he was like in the British Special Forces. And he's just like an amazing athlete. And he gets this group of Nepali climbers, uh, other like guides, you know, Sherpas. It's basically showing what these Sherpas could do if they didn't have to haul yeah. all yeah. of like some white guy's stuff up yeah. the mountain with yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. And it yeah. turns out they can just run up the mountain and run back down again in like three hours. <laughs> yeah. And this guy is like, all these guys are like superhuman. Uh, right. You know, yeah. It's like, uh, and, and Manish is totally descended from these people, you know. He, he is. He is an amazing <laughs> athlete, even though he, he like he doesn't train, but 
but, <laughs> but get in a competition with him and you're in trouble. My favorite story about Manish is he was going to hiking with our friend Paul in the Gila wilderness. And he had been like for the last 10 years, he had been sitting on his porch drinking beer and smoking cigarettes. He was like, I kind of feel like I need to get in shape a little bit before I go hiking in the Gila. And so uh-huh. our friend Jameson was training for a triathlon at the same time. So he's like, oh, I'll go, I'll go running with Jameson. And they went out on Sunday morning on a trail here in Austin. And apparently, they were, keep in mind, Manish has literally been sitting on his porch smoking and drinking beer for the last 10 years. Allegedly. He goes, <laughs> they go running down this trail. They're running for a little while. And apparently, Manish just looked at Jameson and goes, this is how you run? <laughs> and he just took off. And like, full sprint. Ran all the way around the lake. And there was like, yeah, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> it's fine. As I'm getting ready. That'll be fine. Wow. This is how you run. (laughs) Wow. That's that's a lot like the way I trained to run up the Empire State Building, but with the opposite result. You know? (laughs) Right. Right. So comedy guy. Like I we have an excellent uh, Ferguson Files that refers to comedy too. We'll bring that up a little later. But I had something come up recently. That I that I thought was really funny and got me thinking about what why com why do we need comedy, what is comedy good for? Sure. Oh, how should we? You know, because I what is it good for? Absolutely something. Okay. So, uh, have you guys heard of these kayak commercials? And they are like the, the it's a family using kayak to plan a trip. But the mom is a kayak denier. I know. And so they're like, she's like, no, that oh, she's like, good. oh, she's like, don't mention kayak. And then like the mom turns around and yells and starts like throwing these. It's like, well, we can't. And so just like, and they're so like they're sneaking around. So, uh, like first of all, kudos for kayak for taking on a, you know, but like I. I, for a long time, when, when this COVID vaccination denial thing was happening, and even before that with the Trump administration, I was always like feeling like I was like, I couldn't joke about it. Like, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, because it wasn't funny. You know, I just like, I didn't want to like find funny. I wanted to, I wanted to shine a light on, shine a line on it and have it be what it is and not kid around about it. Because I didn't think that kidding around about it did any good. Um, but. You know, there's also just like kind of a general idea that, you know, that we should just stay, we should not have these conversations. Like, I feel like that comes up a lot these days. Like, you know, it, the conversations are all toxic anyway, so let's not even have them. Which, you know, that to me realizes when I, and I realize that I feel that way and I, I see how dangerous that is to not talk about this stuff. So then comedy comes right back in the picture and having, you know, kayak, talk about talk about this stuff and then you know i was thinking like people's uh like uh like i remember like when the whole me too thing came out and there were some even female comedians who were immediately making jokes about it and you know like i think that some comedians will tell you like oh we laugh at this horrible stuff because it's all we can do you know we have to laugh at it because you know Otherwise, we, you know, what else can you do about it? You know, and that might be the same people who would like make jokes about Hitler or something, you know, and then you, 
And then folks will say like your famous joke about Hitler. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a there's so there's there's that argument, and I I always felt that that argument was was a little bit silly because I feel like you have to consider there's some people who might be much closer to say uh, genocide or to you know or to what you know went down to happen to a lot of women during Me Too. They're closer to it than you are, and they don't need you bringing it up, whether it's you joking or not, and reminding them about it. You know, and then and then what good does you know what good does that do? But I think, you know, very specifically, this kayak ad pointed out something that is definitely a problem in our culture and made a joke about it in a way that uh, that highlighted the ridiculousness of it and uh, and and, you know, called, you know, called it out. I think that like, that's definitely comedy used at its best. Uh, yeah, a lot of what. You were talking there, and I, I knew you were talking about comedy, but it sounded like you were talking about communication, There's, which is another one of the C's. Am I right? Yeah. What are the three C's? And I think that, you know, since Community, all, comedy, and comfort. Since None we are of those all is communication. Okay. Well, community and communication, I think, go hand in hand. In order, in order to have comedy, you need a community. Because you can't really have comedy by yourself. Like, maybe you could make yourself laugh, but I think that that's another... That's just, I think that's philosophy. <laughs> Wait, that, that's what we're doing here. Isn't it, hey, hey Shafee, isn't that what the podcast is? Got a community of three. And I would consider Alex's feelings, and I would consider Matthew Ramsey's feelings at the beginning of any joke that I made. And it's true. Uh, you know, so I, I guess I'm talking about myself as a person. Sometimes I get too bogged up in what, what might happen. And not think about the fact that yes, these are horrible things in the world, and they need to be discussed. And if a joke starts the discussion, then that's fine, you know, as long as, as long as I'm strong enough to follow up on it and say, hey, listen. In addition to that being funny, here's this shitty thing that's going on. We need to consider it, and we need to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, that's uh that that's uh, that's just Schaefer's two cents on. Yeah on what's going on in this world and because comedy is so important to us i know it's very important to Alex battles i know it's very, very important very to matthew rampy and uh i obviously i love you know to laugh and, uh, and kid around and it's easy to lose sight of that it seems like uh the way things are the way conversations happen these days the way communities are, exist these days there's very little comfort communities are fracturing and the comedy is getting lost along the way so thank you guys for helping keep one magical hour alive and uh, reminding me of the importance of community comedy and comfort. What do you have to say about that, Alex? Uh, so <laughs> many things. Uh, well, get after well, it. Get in well, well, okay. So one, I think one, it would be better. Uh, it, it would behoove the the, the podcast to continue this conversation with a comedian um, at some point. And uh, I had one in mind because it's someone I follow on TikTok and she's a Austin-based comedian. So I was thinking maybe you guys should ask her this at some point. Uh, her name's Elizabeth Spears and she works out of Austin. Um, you can look at her website. I don't, I, I'll send it to you later. Uh, but, uh, 
as a guest we don't know. We oh, do, yeah, that, that's my idea. You want to you want us to interview somebody that we don't know. Somebody you don't know, I think I think would I think is the next step in the development of the show since, you know, um, yeah, well, maybe. I mean, I don't know. It's 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 your show. I mean, I, I'm just a, a happy uh, contributor and I'm, I'm glad that the, the listeners are, are are enjoying the show. Um, comedy. I, more I don't know. Like the, the, rather than a happy contributor, you're like our mentor. <laughs> you're like our mentor and the dean of the the department. Oh, geez. Well, you know, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm trying to stay on top of things. I, you know, comedy. Yeah, it's look. I, I, I comedy is exciting when. There's something that you didn't know was bothering you and somebody points it out and you go, oh, my. And it's a release, you know, that, to me, that, that that's how I would sum it up. Like when I've seen comedians and I go, oh, my God, thank you for saying it. Oh, I, you know, and it, it brings to you an understanding through an absurd uh, you know, and you know, absurd uh, exaggeration of the sequence or whatever's going on. It kind of brings that up, um, and makes you see. Oh, okay, I see what's absurd about the present through this further absurdity, absurditation. That's not a word. Um, uh, exaggeration of the moment itself. Um, one of the things that always interests me about comedy is what comedy lasts. You know, like what things Schaefer and I have talked about this, like why do the Marx Brothers still make Schaefer and I laugh? I don't know. They don't make everybody laugh, but, you know, but then you'll see a stand up special that made you howl five years ago and you just sit there and watch it and go, yeah, I guess that's OK. You know, it's just what happened there, you know, and it's just like society in, in one case. It was a it, it was pointing out a trope that maybe is still exists, and in and in other case, it's just like yeah, nobody, nobody, nobody's nobody's really got that moment in their head right now, you know. Um, I, so they, those are my thoughts. Go back, you talk. Definitely, like just the changing relationship with the world with with the world and. Uh, our our relationship with what what are considered to be uh, important parts of our culture, like uh, like Richard Pryor. Lo I love Richard Pryor. Like you know, specifically when I think of him, I think of you know his brutal honesty about his crack cocaine addiction, you know, and setting himself on fire and turning that into a stand up. And so, like the other night, I was like, you know. I was driving around and I was like, I should listen to a little Richard Pryor because, you know, now you can find all of those standups. They're so, you know, they're at your fingertips. On so, the YouTube? YouTube or Spotify <laughs> or whatever. I think I put him into Spotify and just like okay. played mm -hmm. a random Richard Pryor standup. And like all he talked about was, was women's vaginas and specifically, <laughs> you know, referred to it as, you know, P-U-S-S-Y's and... Talked about hey, we've talked about anal fisting. Why you can say whatever? <laughs> Jesus. Did you did you miss the did you miss the Disney princess anal fisting parody? Oh my god! 
you're missing out on some stuff. Episode 123, I think. So, yeah. And and I guess that that was funny because it took us all by surprise. Like, if we were to have a frank conversation about, well, maybe maybe I would find a frank conversation about anal fisting still quite funny. But... But you guys totally derailed my points. <laughs> or maybe you've helped me understand why I just, I, I remember listening to this. I want to like, fuck you. I got an <laughs> Sorry, sorry. <laughs> it, Matthew seems to have made a, made some sort of pact with himself to earn our explicit reading. <laughs> well, I got a lot of great feedback on the uh, anal fisting business Disney Princess parody. Was that from Holly? Uh, Adam specifically uh, thought that was hilarious. But um, look, thanks Holly, thanks Adam, thanks Brian for getting back I, to us. Have I told, did I cut you off there? Did you finish your thought? I I, I think I kind of lost okay, my. Okay, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail it. I want to say this. I'm 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 really upset that whatever state that the world is in, that it has somehow impacted comedy. You know because. I think comedy is there for us to deal with all the hard bits of human experience. That's why shit is so funny, you know? That's why scatological things are funny because it's it's the basic like tragedy of your day. <laughs> like you you have to interface with your own waste and it's just it's never not funny and so like when when we talk about the social milieu that we're in and how it's how it's made all these topics taboo i'm like what are we i'm really i know this is kind of like a little bit like the Chappelle thing and i agree with dave on this on the topic of I'm, i'm not saying i agree with everything dave said in the last special or anything i'm just saying if you can't laugh about all the shitty weird parts of life or and and I I don't know I, I don't know we, we well, I don't know it, it's a on, issue. On that issue, I do want to say this: there's another fellow I follow on TikTok who's a former comedian who is now a professor. I think his handle is Professor GB on the old TikTok or Prof GB. And anyway, what he said was in response to that controversy, if I may paraphrase him, was that. Um, being a young, um, being a young kid, um, when, uh, when he was, when he was in school, um, the fact that Damon Wayans was doing a gay character on, um, In Living Color, I think. Um, I can't, I, I, I didn't actually watch the show. I mean, I'm kind of familiar with it from like just brief clips. Um, but there was a, there was a character and that, um, yes. this, th- what this professor who has done comedy and now does a, a class on comedy, what he said as a young gay kid growing up was that, you know, he was, he seemed to be like getting through life. Okay. Until until this character gave kids a, a new way to like bully him and like new kind of fire to really sure, kind of the, uh, taunt him. Like, like it was like there was somebody too. behind them. Yeah. And just all this stuff. So his, his point was 
you know, that I, I, you should look up his, look up what he says, uh, is all that I just wanted to say that because that's something that crossed my table during the Chappelle conversation. Chappelle's somebody who's, whose comedy, uh, I enjoyed, but I did not see the special in question. Um, at all, at all. I mean, my, um, but I did see this response, and I just wanted to throw that out there as an interesting counterpoint to check out on it. But I can't yeah, go further. Go ahead. I can see how that that is a good counterpoint to what it sounded like I was saying. But uh, I think that there's nothing off limits for comedy. It's all about who you are and your experience talking about it. If you're somebody who's talking about something you've experienced, then that's valid. And then um, who's your audience? <laughs> you know, I guess is the other thing as for what comedy is. There shouldn't be any limits on, on, on you know, what you can have a conversation with, uh, what you can have a conversation about with anyone. And so, the, you know, in that regard, there also shouldn't be any limits on what you can make comedy about, but yeah, how you make it and what, how that's used by the person, you know, you're spouted out to, if you're a comedian, you know, you want to make people laugh. You want to, you want people to be having fun, but, uh, you you also also don't want to like just throw a bunch of hurt out in the world. Let me ask you this. How can we uh, make fun of being openly racist in society and give people a new vocabulary to denigrate those who would would be so brazen to be openly racist because that's like a new that's like a thing we got going in the new milieu is that people have like hey it's fun to be anti-semitic again we need to arm the other side with some comedy about how that's not fucking funny at all right i uh you see what i'm saying jack benny's to be or not to be did you ever see that movie <laughs> I no, threw, it, threw it back a little too far. <laughs> Sorry yeah, about no, hit that. Hit that right now. Tell us, uh, tell us the plot of that right now. Take five minutes minimum. Go. I just can't do it justice right now. I don't understand. Man. I'm not sure that I understand uh, what specifically you're talking about with this contemporary return to racism. I will say, like, oh, oh, you're saying that's always been. No, I just, no, I just don't know what specifically you're talking about. You seem to be referring to something specific. Oh, I just, very contemporary. I, I just feel like the Trump era gave license for people who were maybe quietly racist to be loudly racist. And what I was trying to do there is just flip the script on, okay. You might t- you might be insensitive towards the LGBTQ community in a sketch in on 1988 TV, right? Like was what he was talking about, and and that gave people you're talking about a new vocabulary to denigrate the gay community, right? Yeah. So how can we, <laughs> as comedians, start making jokes about people being openly racist to where it's really not? It's obviously not cool. I'm not sure where the comedy is. I mean, that's kind of like the, that's what the the kayak commercial did was right. without right. not specifically the racist thing, but it was the, making fun of people denying scientific stuff. I I and I think, deniers, Holocaust deniers. I've been thinking more about like I've been specifically just because of the conversation we've had. I've been thinking about 
Marx Brothers and Richard Pryor. I'm like, in, our, in my example about Richard Pryor, he was making a joke about some very specific part of human nature. Whereas often with the Marx Brothers, they were making jokes about human nature in its entirety. Mm -hmm. And now that, and that's a very difficult thing to do. You have to, you know, you have to basically be a comic genius to do that. And I think, uh, I think when Richard Pryor did his thing about, you know, about addiction, you know, and talked about, you know, things were very specific to himself. Then he got closer to that, to, you know, talking about the, you know, the world or his world rather than this very specific thing, AKA female genitalia. Um, so that's, it's important. And there again, it goes back to us, like imagining ourselves as one person or imagining ourselves as a community. Um, and like, it's, you know, the sooner you can broaden your focus, the better off I think everybody's going to be. Um, but well, you know, I guess we'll just, we'll have to see, like, all right, I don't want to, I don't want to continue this too much because I think I'll just be too negative. <laughs> but, uh, but I feel like that, you know, thinking about humans rather than human is the, is the most important thing. Yeah. And mm. Matthew, can I have a little bit of a beat? Oh, yes. This one goes out to Alex Battles. If you call Martinis Martunis, if you love talking ducks, if you have a closet packed full of hoodies, then maybe you're ready for some Ferguson Files. <laughs> Very excited to bring back an old segment tonight. Our friend Ellen Ferguson got at us uh, specifically with a mental floss article about Dr. Demento uh, mm -hmm. and uh, one appearance that he made on uh, David Letterman. And I talked to you guys a little bit about this already. I didn't realize until I read this article that I thought of, I've always thought of Dr. Demento as a musician, like kind of the proto Weird Al. But actually, Dr. Demento is just this, uh, he's basically an, a proto-podcaster, okay. really. He's uh, hes somebody who found comedians and found funny stuff and, and put it on the air. He's the um, Dick Clark and or Casey Kasem of novelty <laughs> weird workers. comedy. Yeah. He, had a, he, he was on the air for 50 years, and apparently, I just learned from this article, thank you, Alan Ferguson, that he's still doing his show on uh, on uh, releasing it on his website. So yes, he does it on the. Yeah, I'm so excited to listen to it. Yeah, me too. There's got to be some good stuff on there. Uh, and uh, you know, Matthew, uh, uh, Alex, and I have often talked about our relationship with Weird Al, right, <laughs> and our love for him. Absolutely. You guys was lovers of Weird Al. Just. <laughs> I think I was going to say, I know Matthew is this, like, every uh, kid in America uh, I love some weird has got to have had their everybody's got Everybody's got their record. Everybody's got their Weird Al record. Matthew's been, is running with scissors, right? Now, did any of you guys have the one that was like from the late 70s that had like... Um, um, Mr. Frump in the Iron Lung? Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Yeah, that's that's a great one. Celebrate your birthday! It happens Does every that also year. Have we my eat a lot of broccoli and drink a lot of beer. You should be good and happy that there's something you can eat. A million people every day are starving in the street. 
Your daddy's in the gutter with a ratchet and a whore. Your mama's in the kitchen with a can of Cycle 4. There's garbage in the water. There's poison in the sky. I guess it won't be long before we're all going to die. So happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday to you. He took on some pretty important uh, social issues there, didn't he? Yeah. Weird Al is uh, an amazing artist. He's incredible. Uh, and and to getting back to what we were talking about before, Weird Al is somebody who is really, who has managed to stay humorous and funny and somehow really never run afoul of anyone. Yeah, yeah. except Coolio briefly, but nobody took uh, that seriously. Oh, oh, was Coolio mad about Amish Paradise? Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> it's just like... Uh, you but know. He, he got he got permission. He always gets permission. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about Weird Al. He always gets permission. Like he was he was really trying to do. There's a few artists that he's he's really worked hard on a parody, and they were just like, no, no. And who knows? That, that could be something that was spun up by both sides to get you know get themselves in the news or whatever. Get you know, or some journalist made a story that wasn't really there. I don't know. But Prince uh, said no. I. And Prince is probably the one person who I'd be like, all right, well, Prince can say no. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else says no, I'd be like, oh, you're a dick. You take yourself too seriously. But Prince, <laughs> I was like, all right, that guy can take himself as seriously as he wants. <laughs> you know what Kurt Cobain said to Weird Al, right? What? Weird Al asked him, said, um, can, you know, can, I'd like to do a parody of Smells Like Teen Spirit. And Kurt Cobain said, is it going to be about food? <laughs> <laughs> but it see that goes back to it again. Like, and this is the opposite of what Matthew said. But you know, like, food is again. It's this. It's this thing that we all have to contend with. And when you really are trying to look for things that are funny to a large group of people, food is always a safe choice. <laughs> Absolutely. And he's written so uh, many songs about food. He's got there's a compilation album I think called the Food Album. Uh, another interesting thing that I learned uh, while just exploring Weird Al after the, uh, or maybe it was in the article. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, very exciting news about a, a Daniel Radcliffe Weird Al biopic. Right, yeah, that's coming out. Harry Potter is playing Weird Al in the movies? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's super, super uh, exciting to me. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. I, I think, think that's, that's going to be a really fun movie. Yeah, I hope it I hope it touches on um there was a there was a uh he did a parody of the complete Beatles called the Complete Al in like, I don't know, 1988 or so. Um that was on MTV. And um, I, I just remember very vividly, there was a time, you know, he talks about there was a time when he got really into making serious music and then his bandmates dipped his head in a in a five gallon bucket of strawberry yogurt. And then that's when he decided to write comedy songs again. And there was this great picture of Al's head covered in strawberry yogurt. Um, but yeah, so apparently, hopefully they'll they'll. They'll, it's probably going to be incredibly over the top. And if I were Daniel Radcliffe, I probably would be, obviously I would be so excited to put, portray the great Alfred Matthew Yankovic, as it were. His middle name is Matthew? 
I think so. Yeah, I mean, you can yeah, check that yeah, in source yeah. material, but I do believe it is. Uh -huh. I'm thinking about writing a parody of one of his original songs and seeing if I can get his permission. Okay, which one? Which what? what I, don't, I don't know. What what he's would you like few, to ruin now? He's got a few originals, right? Uh, he does. He's bringing back. He's bringing back the originals tour next year. The uh, ill-advised uh, vanity tour, where he only does <laughs> he only does originals the whole night. He does whatever, dare to be stupid, and the one you just sang, happy birthday, etc. Bite the hand that feeds you. Bite off more, more than you can, than you can chew. What can you do? Dare to be stupid. Stick your head in the microwave and get yourself a tan. Oh, that's a good one. I always, I, I've learned this before, but I had forgotten. We, one we're more minute. Have the same you oh, have that's the same birthday. Yeah. Great. That's man. December 25th, the year of our Lord. October 23rd. Oh. <laughs> when, you know, right after we got off of our last call and, and, you know, and I looked at this. I, I actually, I, I think probably the reason the last episode did not record was because as soon as I realized that we had discussed novelty music and I had not mentioned Tom Lehrer, I was I was so disappointed in myself that I, I think I willed the, the the recording to not work because <laughs> I was so upset with myself for not mentioning. I think he's I think he's Weird Al's favorite novelty singer too, Tom Lehrer. Um, so are you about to do a Tom Lair cover? Oh here? God, no, I wouldn't even think, I wouldn't even think oh. to, cause he's, 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 he's six levels. He he's, you know, that, you know, that Leonard Cohen line about Hank Williams, a thousand floors above me in the tower of song. Um, I can hear him coughing all night long, a thousand towers, a thousand floors above me in the tower song. That's the way I, that's the way I feel like everybody feels about Tom Lair. Tom Lair is, oh man, is he good. And he could play the piano. Oh, no, I, I don't think I could ever, I think I've tried, but uh, yeah, no, wow. Tom Lair, he's, he's something else. I mean, uh, who can turn a cap into a cape? Elementary for Silent E, you know, the Vatican rag, masochism tango, poisoning bitches in the park. Uh, oh, my God. Do you know any of these songs he's mentioning? Uh, no, I was just looking Tom Lair up because I really don't know anything about him. Oh, he's amazing. And he's one of those people. I, I love I love any artist who leaves like a like an excellent like oeuvre, 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 oeuvre. body of work. Right. Body of work leaves an excellent body of work, like compact, you know, whatever exact amount of stuff. And then just is like, I'm out, you know, and Tom Lehrer made like four or five records in the 60s, like enough for a box set. That's probably, I think, four CDs. And then and you know, in the 70s, he made like two or three songs for the electric company. Um, that silent E song is one of them. And then he just became a math professor at like UC Santa Barbara. And that was it. There was a, there was a musical of his stuff called Tom Foolery that had some off Broadway, etc. runs for a while. But uh, yeah. The average with, American changes jobs like 14 times in their lifetime. Wow. I don't, 
I, that, that's some dumb stat I heard a million years ago. I, I want 14 to, times, 14. Times. I, I heard that. I, I really heard that as a stat. Once. The average American changes careers 14 times in a lifetime. I was like, really? That's, um, I've only ever had one career. I, I feel like the move from comedy to professorship is like obvious. That's an obvious path, right? right. Math professor too. That's the way to go. If you can handle a if you can handle a comedy club, you can handle a room full of eighteen year olds. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, he just started releasing like novelty records. It was on his own label. He he like self released uh, this twelve inch called um, "Songs by Tom Lehrer" when he was when he was going. I feel like when he was a student, maybe even at Harvard, and um, it like sold a lot of copies. And so then he was this student who had just kind of had this like second career as this. And then there was a show on. Um, I feel like on British TV called that was the week that was, and it was kind of a, an SNL type show on British TV. And they hired Tom Lehrer to come over. I feel like I'm getting this almost right. And write a, <laughs> write a, write a song once a week about what was going on that week. And so that's, that that's all kind of live because he's doing it before a, a, a live studio audience or something, or maybe there's there's a there's another record called One Night with Tom Lehrer or something like that where he's got a he's got an audience and so there's laughs on it as opposed to the first recordings which are all very kind of dry and stuff um, stuff like the old dope peddler for instance um, and uh, yeah I don't know and so yeah the, but so all these so all these songs that literally had nothing to do with my experience at all you know like he's got this song called the Vatican Rag which is about the ecumenical council in Rome changing the laws about what Catholicism, what they do in a Catholic church. I wasn't Catholic, but I heard this song and I just thought it was the funniest darn thing in the world because his wordplay is so dead on. His musicianship is off the charts great. And uh, yeah, then two songs for the electric company and he was out of there, man. You know, That's so cool. Yeah. It's kind of like us with the podcast. His birthday is April 9th. <laughs> Tom Lehrer. Is that, is that my, that's close to my mother's birthday. Oh, whoa. <laughs> uh, and you do, but uh, he's also still alive at 93, which, uh, wow. yeah, I've been, I, I've, yeah, that's, that's a dream is to, that's just, that's just a dream is to someday catch a glimpse of him through like, you know, like the, I don't know, the, like the back of his head, that would be fine. I just, I, I knew a, I, I knew a guy who was like a songwriter and like a math gen, like had a math major and I was like can you just call him like you both live in California you have all the excuses in the world you write you write songs for you write songs for cartoons on TV you you've got a you've written math textbooks like call Tom Lehrer please and he was just like da, 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 I'm fine and I'm like I that's okay it's no problem you know I'll just I'll just keep forcing people to try and live out my dreams vicariously. That's okay. So anyway, we're Hotsy doing it, Totsy. Right? Sure, you guys are doing it for me. I appreciate it. You know, that's why I keep coming on the show, so you won't give up. You know, um, 
I hear that we're just Although, hitting stride, so I don't think we're I don't think we're giving up. Good. God bless. That that's that's reasonable. And let's once again thank those listeners. Thank you, listeners. Thank you for keeping Matthew and Schaefer on the air. Look, speaking got- of thank yous, uh, I wanted to thank the needs for that uh, excellent reading of the Basho haiku oh. at the top of the, uh, the top of the show. Yeah, thank you oh, for that. Yeah. We were discussing seasonal haiku, Japanese seasonal haiku, and she read that lovely poem about the winter. Who read that uh, again? Uh, Dorothy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For a seven-year-old, she did a pretty awesome job of reading that poem. Yeah, it's... The the traditional haiku... You're always supposed to get nature in in the old... In the traditional haiku, right? I mean, that's supposed to be a part of it. Yeah. Nature and no metaphor allowed. Oh. No metaphor. Oh, man. Oh. The, I mean, the metaphor is supposed to just already exist out there. Like, it's like everybody has a relationship with seasons. So just by talking about the seasons, I mean, the metaphor will, will find itself, I think, I is the see. idea. Yeah, I like that. Uh, but, yeah, they're meant to be literal and, yeah, and, and natural. Is there any haiku that is all metaphor all the time? Some of the ones that I've written. <laughs> oh, yeah, good, good. That sounds much more interesting. There's well, there's the what's the uh, the the faces on the faces on the subway platform, pedals on a wet black black bell. Down Mount Rushmore. You know that? No. <laughs> no, I'd love to hear more about it. I'm not familiar. Ezra with Pound. It. It sounds beautiful. Ezra Pound. In the station, in the station of the metro, the apparition of these faces in the crowd, pedals on a wet black bow. Nice. That's, a haiku. That's definitely a, a haiku-like poem with a metaphor in it. Alex, you had your guitar over there. Were you going to play us a song? Yeah, yeah, I can knock something out for you. You you did did you have a specific song in mind? Um, because if not, will you play "Dare to Be Stupid"? <laughs> okay. Um, come on, I'm kidding. It's no, comedy, it, folks. I don't want him to actually play anywhere. Put down your chainsaws and listen to me. It's time for us. It's time for us to join in the fight. Oh man, it's got a weird chord in it. It's not. It's not that I can't. It's oh man, chord wise. We can do it. In- yeah, I wish we'll I work out that and get back to. We'll us. get you back on very soon to try that one out. Uh, something that we didn't bring up tonight that we did bring up last time oh, yeah. was the Alex Battles uh, cover of Satisfaction. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. right. Oh yeah. It's so funny, yeah, because we've had this conversation before, yeah. Not to put you on the spot. But this is very similar to what we were talking about with the math professor and the comedian. Yeah. Tell, tell us about your cover of Satisfaction, Alex. I wish... I, I, Satisfaction is also a song that I should know how to play, but I don't. When I first started doing 
the comedy, I, I had just, uh, I feel like befriended a gentleman uh, who, he and I were pretty tight in my early years in New York and we- um, Stop he, yelling, Alex. He was a very big uh, Rolling Stones fan. And he told me that Mick Jagger was uh, at the London School of Economics when they started the Rolling Stones. <laughs> and so in my early it's really even hard to call it a comedy career it was really just like 12 open mics and a couple of other gigs um uh but you know i i would go on stage with my banjo with my fish attached to it and and uh <laughs> and, and i was and i was all full of energy and I didn't understand I had something but I never really could figure out what it was you know well no I think you did figure out what it was because this the songs that you write now whether you want them to call them country songs or rock songs or folk songs or whatever they all have they all have an element of humor almost all of them have a wonderful element of humor to them uh that you you know you've kind of said oh, well I you know this isn't you know whatever maybe this like you know you know fish hanging from the banjo kind of comedy isn't working but the, there's this other thing that i do well and you allowed a comedy to slip in there in uh, in wonderful ways yeah like uh, well, what, what what i was saying is that like I, there were nights that i would go on and like kill you know and i couldn't and then there were nights that i would go on and i would just and it wouldn't work you know and I could never figure out what it was, you know, that, that made the certain nights work and certain nights not. And, you know, like it wasn't necessarily that the material was any funnier. I realized that what put, what put bits over for me was the energy I put into them. You know, like I had a certain, I was, I, I there was a certain surety that I had that what I was saying was funny so that even if it wasn't funny, at all, it became funny to watch a guy who thought he was funny try to present something he thought he was funny, you know? Yeah. That was what made, if I ever dig up- That's his... why people like the podcast. <laughs> I, I, also, I, human, I mean, human beings are very suggestive by nature, aren't they? Like, if you give people the cues to like think, oh, this is good and funny, even if I don't necessarily get it, they're going to laugh because they feel like they're supposed to. Right. Yeah. That's why Red Skelton is funny. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the abstract uh, <laughs> reference episode. Yeah. It's just, well, you know, this is what it's like when you should have been born in the 40s. You know, it's just so, right. it's so dumb, you know, like. I, <sighs> that Jack Benny show book, though, I'm telling you, it's really good. Yeah. Oh, so Jack Benny to be or not to be is that? Oh my God! Yeah, you got to see Jack Benny to be or not to be. It's an Ernst. It's an Ernst Lubitsch movie. Ernst Lubitsch, who, as you know, was who um, Billy Wilder was the. Uh, he was Billy Wilder's mentor. He was a big Austrian director who moved over here, made the famous movie Ninochka with Greta Garbo, made Shop Around the the Corner with. Uh, Jimmy Stewart, uh, 
And yeah. Um, yeah, so to be or not to be is uh, Jack Benny is in a troupe of Polish actors who is they're I don't know. It's really tough to just it's one of those things that as soon as you start to describe it, it breaks apart. You're just like just it's Jack Benny's in like four movies and that's the one that's like really good and the other ones it's like he just kind of walks through or something. But that's that's Jack Benny being Jack Benny and God bless it because Jack Benny was the greatest as we all really know, you know. <laughs> Jack Benny and George Burns, you know, like Red Red Fox. Those are kind of my some of my comedy heroes right there. Tom Lear, obviously. Like so yeah, anyway, this 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 satisfaction parody, the joke was that I that you know, what if so what if uh so he, I'll try and do it in my 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 90s comedy voice. So here's what it would have been like maybe. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh if if uh you know, Mick Jagger had become an accountant. Uh long division and subtraction find the quotient. This is accompanied by a tenor banjo. Get some action. And there's a fish dangling at the end of it, bouncing up and down. What is pi? What is pi? What is pi? My oh my, 3.141592. And then I would just make up a bunch of numbers <laughs> and just pretend like I was just going to sing pi for the rest of the gig, you know, just like go and just try and keep going and going and going. You know, it's very... Steve Martin, Steve Allen, Andy Kaufman influenced in the in my bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, those were, uh, those were exclamation, those uh, something Alex told us last week was there was always one nerd in the audience who came up and like always. <laughs> That's not <laughs> pie because I would just I I tried to I actually tried to learn it. I was like this it was one of my stupid manic ideas of which that I mean that could be its own book, but um. Yeah, I had this. I had this idea that I was. I was gonna learn. I was gonna learn pi just for this. Just for this, you know. And I was like, if I learn it, man, it's gonna be an even better joke, you know. Like, you know, like translating Freebird into French or writing five boroughs of verses for I've been everywhere in New York City. You know, that's dumb crap. Yeah, like yeah. That. Um. So yeah, but I, I, I. It it really doesn't scan pi, you know. <laughs> It's it's irrational poetically as well as mathematically, I think. Um, so I'm not I'm also not sure if like getting the sequence correct is funnier. Um, you know, you if, if I if I were doing a conference of mathematicians, it, it, they they, sure. they they would have laughed more. But there was always one in the audience who was who just had to come up to me. It was like you know, actually. Like, a, well, you know, you did the work and you deserve, you deserve your moment now. And your moment is now, you know, you thought that moment was over. And then one day you came to a Lower East Side open mic and there was a guy in a blue shirt with a banjo with a fish hanging off of it. So anyway, so yeah, that was my bit. Um, that was one of, that was one of my bits. I, I love that I, bit. I, I, I love that bit. I, I, I would have... I would have cracked up. I would have been in the front row just laughing my ass off. I had I feel like I had this one bit. I can't remember if it was I don't know if it was it was photograph. 
I did Photograph by Def Leppard once. I did, uh, I feel like I did Rock You Like a Hurricane, because if you, I, I don't know if you've ever, maybe for Poetry Corner, you should do a dramatic reading of of the uh, the lyrics to Rock You Like a Hurricane. Um, oh, I love Klaus Minus, Klaus Minus lyrics. Yeah, yeah, because that is like, that's one of those songs, there's so many songs that I, I used to do a bit about like the songs that I didn't realize were dirty until I tried to learn how to sing them. And then I was like, oh my goodness, this is really kind of sort of graphic. Um, but I had one bit where I would like play the song. And then when I got to the guitar solo, I had a tape recorder. I had a tape player in my pocket and I would just hit play. Um, I always thought that was a good bit. Crickets though. Um, <laughs> so Crickets anyway. here or at the, at the show? Or you no, well, I, you know, I, 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 it's, it's, I, I, I think what happened, no, I think I got a big laugh because I couldn't get the tape recorder to work at first, you know, and I like pressed the button and then it wasn't working. And then that made people laugh. And then it, which was unintentional, you know, I was unintentionally funny and I couldn't learn how to be unintentionally funny until, right. um, until many, many years later. <laughs> I think. Hard to bottle that. Yeah, it, it, yeah it, it, it is. It was, it was very, it was very tricky, but we had fun. I had a couple of I had a couple of hit numbers back in the back in the day of I think my six gigs as a comedian. Podcasting is a good format for being unintentionally funny. Yeah, it's just you just we'll take it however we can get it. Yeah, I like that. You know, I mean the the cool thing. I mean the thing that the the reason that for me comedy was. You know, after I saw that Jerry Seinfeld comedian movie, you know, I realized that, like, if you're a stand-up comedian, you are constantly revising, constantly. You're constantly taking a joke apart part and adding one thing, taking one thing out, adding, adding a word here, taking a word here. It's all about rhythm and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's also... It's also just about letting it go, you know, like you've got this joke and it's killing and it's killing. And at a certain point, you got to let it float away and build up new stuff. And it's, it's about constant, constant, constant revision. And um, that 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 was that was something I didn't really understand when I was trying to do it. And I was just like, well, if I write a song and it's decent, at least I only have to write it once. Right. You know, so. It was music's easy. Exhausting of revising. Yeah. Yeah. Me, yeah. Me, <laughs> in sitting here thinking, like, you know, you got a good three decades left in you. Did you ever think of maybe going back to the comedy? Dave, uh, over yet. Doing stand up? Uh, I mean, doing whatever, however you want to express yourself. But like, I think like, if you know more stuff about things, you're more intimate with yourself as a performer. I think it'll, um, I think it'll come out, you know, I, I think whatever I'm feeling, like what I'm talking about and what I've learned about comedy will come out in performing music. You know, I kind of did like a really long walk about the last two years where, you know, for years I was talking about how, you know, I started singing country songs 
you know, and I thought it was because, well, <clears throat> when I started playing music, they were the easiest things to learn, right? The easiest thing to learn was a song that had three chords, Hank Williams songs, you know? They're so easy, they just, they just, they bleed into you through osmosis. Like, as soon as you learn those three chords, you just know, oh, that's a C, I know that now, you know, like, and, or, or you know, blues songs are the same way, and Hank was very steeped in the blues. And, you know, but at the same time, I was like, oh, you know, if I could play playing any kind of music, it, you know, it might be this or it might be that. I mean, there's so many genres of music I'm into and country is just this one thing. And I'm not necessarily a super like country, country guy. Like I'm not listening to Nashville radio and I'm not really listening to the current stuff. And I went on this big walkabout, like, what am I what am I doing with music? What's going on there? You know, and I just kind of came back to like, no, those are, you know. The songs you wrote are informed by these songs and these are the songs you like singing like you know when you pick up a guitar the first song you sing is always whatever waiting for a train or hey good looking or you're cheating heart i mean that's just who you are and that's okay you know country confirmed <laughs> yeah basically you know it's just like yeah you love all kinds of music and those music all the kinds of music you like will seep into what you do when you have a guitar but when you have a guitar you're gonna play you know, basically your favorite country songs and, you know, your favorite originals that you've written over the years. Well, you know? play, us, play us a song. Yeah, speaking of, which, which, uh, which one were you thinking of playing tonight? What I was thinking of playing tonight was this. Is that moonshine? No. <laughs> Oh, for the for the purpose of the show, it's totally moonshine. I'm hammered. I'm hammered. Do you want me to do my old drunk act? Do you want me to do that? You want me to just go back to 2006, me and Schaefer on stage? And I'm going, hey guys, what's going on? Oh my gosh, I got the defibrillators on next. This is so crazy. And people would be like, are you really drunk? And I'd be like, I don't even know anymore. Here we go. I was I was definitely not acting. <laughs> I, was, I was genuinely drunk. Free the Bushwick too. That's all I've got to say to you. <laughs> Did you we told that story on the podcast before? I think so. I think so. We were doing a show. Is it, are we running over on time? You're trying yeah, to wrap fine. it up. I can tell. Okay. <sighs> we were doing. We did the. We did the Folsom. The first time we ever did the Folsom Prison album, right? I said, okay, we're going to do at Folsom Prison. It's the 30 year anniversary of at Folsom Prison or something or other. I can't remember who it was. Um, sounds right. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, at 40 years, I don't know. Uh, anyway, anniversary of uh, the release of Ed Folsom from Prison, we're going to do it. And on the Ed Folsom Prison ride, right, one of the things that makes it great is that the warden or whoever comes out and makes announcements throughout the evening. Um, you know, Matlock and Bat Shelter, these men have reception. Um, um, and so I said, Schaefer, you're going to be the warden. You know, you're going to come out and you're going to make these announcements, right? And so Schaefer got mirrored shades. You know, he looked kind of like, uh, like, like the sheriff in uh, Smokey and the Bandit, and uh, Jackie Gleason. You know, in Smokey and the Bandit, and uh, he, I think he had a star. Maybe he found a star badge somewhere. I think I did find a star, yeah, and had one of my blue cowboy shirts. 
And he came out, he was like mad lagging bad stuff like these men have reception and the whole place goes nuts. And then <laughs> during the show, two of Schaefer's very famous friends um uh were got arrested or something, or did yeah, they get arrested the was, night before? It was the night before. They were supposed to be at the show. Uh <laughs> but we had been at this uh illegal bar, this like all night speakeasy, uh called Rocco's. We had been there after hours and the place had gotten raided. And uh, actually, Lindsay and I, we were really lucky because my brother was in town and he was pretty loaded and was trying to go home. And uh, he, like, we had kind of taken several separate paths that night. He had closed down the Abbey Bar and we had gone on to this, uh, this speakeasy. And we were sitting there and like, I get this call from my brother. He's like, he can't figure out the, how to unlock the door. So like he's just kind of too drunk to figure out the key situation, and he's stuck on my front porch. And I'm like, oh, this. Is, I was like, well, this is a drag, Lindsay, but we got to go. We got to go help Dick get into the house. You know, it sucks. We go walk out, and then like I remember we're walking out into this atrium, and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, all these people are dressed the same. And then I literally said out loud, I said, oh shit, it's the cops. <laughs> and this this lady cop looks at me. She's like, what are you guys doing? And I was like, uh, we're just heading out to go home. She's like, good, get out of here. And then like, I saw the, the car service that we had called. The car pulled up. We jump in. I just like started texting them. Like, I'm like, Tom and Joan, get out of here. As quick as you can get. It's like 20 cops showing up. Oh, my God. So they spent the night in the can. Um, Everybody ended up letting off. They let everybody off without any charges the next day. But uh but yeah, so then, then, but the next night, next night was cash. They, like, it takes you like fifty six hours or something to get processed, you know. And when you're in the can in Brooklyn, so uh, they were still in when I'm doing the cash bash. So I was like, and then and the following, uh, the following inmates, uh, Siler and Vorderbrug, and I was like, have been have been. Uh, Unjustly incarcerated, I yelled, free of the Bushwick 2. Everybody else was like, woo! Bushwick 2 are. There was some real some real dissension going on in the room. It was fun. And then, like, during the show, they got freed. Schaefer got a text message, and he, like, ran out on stage. And I'm like... And I, I'm like, wait, what's he doing? There's no announcement right now. And he's like, ladies and gentlemen, the Bushwick two have been freed. And I'm like, Jeeper, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm trying to impersonate Johnny Cash for these nice citizens of Brooklyn. And Tom Siler's text to me said, uh, said, said, we made it out of there. He said, <laughs> it said, got to walk before they make us run. The uh, Keith Richards song. You know? <laughs> All right, Alex, please. I hear the train a-coming, it's rolling around the bend And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when And I'm stuck in Folsom Prison And time keeps dragging on Well, that train keeps rolling On down to San Antonio When I was just a baby my mama told me, son, always be a good boy, don't ever play with guns. But I shot a man in Reno, 
just to watch him die when I hear that whistle blowing I hang my head and cry I bet there's rich folks eating in a fancy dining car they're probably drinking coffee and smoking big cigars well I know I had it coming I know I can't be free well those people keep a moving and that's what tortures me well if they freed me from this prison if that railroad train was mine well I bet I'd move it on a little farther down the line far from Folsom prison that's where I want to stay And I'd let that lonesome whistle Blow my blues away I don't think we can do better than that for a closeout Adam, uh, Alex, I just told you Adam, that's weird. Do you, uh, do you remember our, do you remember our sign off? Sign off, Alex. It must be the moonshine. The word, <laughs> the choices. Peter, the shine. Play some stickers. <laughs> and stickers. <laughs>